welcome to a grad chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's A Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs as well as CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you know, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcast or Spotify. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I'm very fortunate to have in the studio with us or online. I mean, we do a bit of both from time to time. To, I'd like to introduce you to Beatrice Ohino Nyako, who is doing a professional master of public administration under the supervision of Dr. Paul Trimble. Welcome to Grad Chat, Beatrice. Thank you very much, Colette. I'm happy to be here. Before we started, Beatrice and I were having a bit of a chuckle because neither of us are very technologically minded and so we had a few little hiccups of getting the recording to start working and <laughs> but we got through it which is which is quite wonderful thank you thank you so much and it's it's amazing what i go through to make make the student feel a little bit more comfortable thank you thank you and you did just right so, so firstly beatrice you're doing a professional masters so what is your background and why did you want to, to do further education and still work at the same time? Because that's not an easy feat. <laughs> it isn't at all. Actually, I, I was born and raised in Ghana. I migrated to Canada a couple of years ago and I came here with a degree in business uh, administration. And it has always been my oh. desire to pursue, you know, something uh, higher. And so after taking care of my two beautiful girls to uh, complete their education, I thought this is the time for me to also take care of myself. Oh, good for you. uh, I'm very happy that within the federal government, there is the flexibility of going to school and working at the same time. And so I discussed it with my manager and he gave me that green light. And this is why I, I, you know, um, got enrolled in this. Well, that's fantastic. And first of all, it's great to have you in Canada. Um, I myself emigrated 15 years ago now, or 15, 16 years ago. And as you know, it's a wonderful country. So we're all very fortunate. As I say, the government let me in. (laughs) But what's more, yes, exactly. And, you know, what's more important is that, um, particularly for immigrants, and I include myself there, is being able to contribute to the country you move to. So you're clearly doing that. And um, one, you, your kids have now finished their schooling, which is nice. That I, I really like the fact that you said, you know, now it's time to look after you. Exactly. Because it's very easy to look after everybody else and forget about ourselves. So, exactly. so now with the, the fact you've got business administration in your background, yeah. Now that you're doing this master's program, so what made you want to go into policy, you know, public administration? What made you go that route? Um, the, um, the reason is that I'm a public service employee. And so right. I thought it Which makes, kind of makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It makes sense to do that. I could have gotten it in business administration again, but I thought, no, I have to try something better and something that relates to what I'm doing now because within the federal government we are working with policies everything is about policies and so right. I, thought I would want to know more about that then i can better serve 
the Canadian populace. So this is why I, I picked public administration. That's fantastic. And I think the nice thing, I mean, this is a professional master's, so it's more of a part-time master's program because the full-time public administration takes one year. And of course, you're taking it as a, a part-time because you're still working as well. Exactly. Um, so is, is that over two years then that you're, you're completing this? Because I know there's coursework and then there'll be a, like a research project. Exactly. It is it is two and a half years and so right. the third year is just one semester which i'm hoping to begin in september of this year and then complete in december no Fant- september of next year and complete in december fantastic yeah. oh no that's that's really good so um as i mentioned in the program you have a research project yes which can be in a lot of different areas and that's kind of like a dissertation, but of course, a bit shorter because you don't have, you've probably got one term to do it and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. And you wrote in your paper for me that you want to look at affordable housing. Yeah. So the obvious question there, for me anyway, is why choose this topic? Apart from the fact it's, it's, it's something that is a huge issue across the country right now. What of all the areas you could have picked? What made you go into affordable housing as a project? I believe that is one of the issues that each one of us would, you know, face at one point in our lifetime, regardless of who you are, where you come from. Affordable housing is something. I mean, at the end of the day, we need a place that we can go back to, Mm -hmm. a place that we can unwind, a place that we can be who we want to be. And so um, based on how comfortable that place is, determines your output in life right to speak so if you are taking care of good care of where you live the next day you come back into the world to give off your best and so affordable housing is is you know housing actually is a big a huge topic and that's why and again being an uh, an immigrant it was one of the things that i had to you know struggle with when i was looking for a place to stay i came here with my two little girls they were not even in high school yet. They were like right. seven and ten, and so it was one of the things that I really, really struggled in. You know, so at the end of the day, when I got my feet on the ground, I said to myself, "I need to look into this and at least help immigrants like myself with, you know, access to information, so that they will be able to know which, you know, buttons to press to be able to get a good place to stay." You're absolutely right. I mean, having a, I've always said, um, as long as I've got a roof over my head, it doesn't have to be big. It can be a, it can be a tent for all I care, but it's, it's a roof over my head, my head to make me feel safe at night and, and and things like that. So it's, you're absolutely right. I mean, and uh, you know, in the news lately and has been for a long time, and I think COVID exacerbated some of this as well, the, the options of, how, uh, where people can live a lot of buildings going on but not that everyone can afford and so I think looking at the affordable housing side of it is crucial exactly. uh, so that Canada doesn't become this place of a lot of st- street kids or you know people living on the streets because exactly. we don't want that we I mean it's, that. it's already there but we don't want any more we need to get those get those people into safe places exactly exactly so how will you, you know, I mean, affordable housing, that's a big topic. <laughs> very, very huge. I was 
I so how do... will you complete this project? I mean, because you've only got a few months to to look at it. Exactly. So what are you trying to accomplish in the in the few months that you do have to work on this? At the moment, I'm actually only focusing on the problems. And okay. with the problems, as many problems as we are able to come up with, we'll be able to um, try to find solutions that we can use to combat these problems. Recently, I had the opportunity to work with a group on the same subject. And so what we have done with that group is also to focus on the problems. And that is what I'm very, very happy about. And looking at it's broad, even the problems are so many. One big problem is that when demand and supply is not balanced, that is that is one problem on its own and other problems that contribute to it. And so it is my desire and probably the group as well to be able to delve deeper into what the problems are then we will be able to, you know, um, have, you know, come up with policies that can combat these problems. Well, that makes total sense. I mean, you've got to know the issues first, don't you, before you try and fix them. (laughs) But um, you may not have a chance to do this, but I mean, you can look at problems in one region, but it could be different in other regions. So is your focus for your current project in one particular area, such as Ontario or even Kingston? It is actually the whole of Canada. I mean, no matter how broad this sounds, it would help because, you know, problems differ from province to province, Mm -hmm. but it is a problem, you know. And so one problem might not be able to, you know, one solution might not be able to fix this um, in a different um, province. However, uh, looking at it in the broad um, spectrum would help. And what um, I seek to uh, do is that, well, what I'm seeking to do is just getting delving deeper into the problems and seeing if something can be done based on what my findings are. And the good place to start is with Start Canada because that is where they have, you know, all the results of surveys that they right. have done across the country. And so once you have that good source, you are able to, you know, it's like it's like a one-stop shop mm-hmm. where you can find everything that you need. And so that is why it's easier for me to do that because I wouldn't want to focus on only Ontario, even though it's it's huge. But if I have Start Canada that already have the data, why wouldn't I want to try that? So that is the reason why I'm going national and not province by province. So what kind of what kind of data are you going to pull out from that? Because when I think issues around affordable housing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's a number of things. It's mm-hmm. it's the cost of rent or cost of purchasing. Mm-hmm. It's um, my own social economic means. It's what kind of facilities are available. I mean, am I living up north? Am I living south? Am I living in a desert area? Or, or the, the ton? You know, all those things play a part into what kind of, first of all, what kind of housing you need to, like if you're up north, you want something that's going to be well insulated. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know how much that kind of stuff costs to mm-hmm. insulate a house to be able to live comfortably mm-hmm. up north. Mm-hmm. So there's all those sorts of things. So how are you going to pull, what kind of stats are you going to pull out? Is it looking at the, the people themselves of where people are living? We, first of all, come up with your questions, and then the questions will be based on what information you need from Start Canada. For instance, okay. if you ask yourself when and how did the problems arise, you can okay. find something. 
you know, on Start Canada. And then what was its causes of these problems? You can also write something on Canada. So frame up your questions and that's what I'm doing now. And then go to Start Canada and other areas as well. I'm dwelling on Start Canada because it is, you know, the credible source. Mm -hmm. And it is based on surveys that have been done, you know, with people in living in um, a particular region. And so that is why. So some of the problems, how do the problems come to the public, you know, attention? These are some of all these problems that we could look into. So based on that, you'll be able to, you know, um, get some data from. Uh, so that's critical then, the kind of questions that you ask so the analyst can pull the, the, the correct data for exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and what, do you, what kind of, can you give me a couple of examples of questions that you would be asking them? Oh, um, maybe what was the outcome of um, um, uh, policies that were done in the past? Because I know policies have been with us, I mean, ever since the world was um, uh, created. And so I'm very, very sure that there were policies. But then if we have problems now, then it means some of the policies were not working, you know, or maybe we're not uh, tailored to the needs of the people that the policies meant to, you know, help. And so look at the policies that were uh, in in the past historical data of that and then just compare why didn't it work what what, where did we go wrong what happened is can we do anything better and if we can then we can take it from here so this is one of the areas that i'm looking at as well there's a lot of there's a lot of areas you could look at that's the problem isn't it it's just to fine tuning okay i can then let's look at this one area or look at this current one policy and where where it's failed Yes. where it's failed the people exactly um so so that's interesting yes. when we talk about the housing industry in general mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of players in in this industry and, and some of the ones that, that i would think of is like landlords exactly. construction companies municipalities yes. they all have their own rules and regulations they all do things to and some of them is to make a profit not necessarily to provide a service so to speak is is there anyone else that i'm missing there when you're looking at the housing industry and and do you actually look at those sorts of people too exactly exactly those are part of the stakeholders as well so the the general public is is one you and i and then all three levels of government because you mentioned the um, uh, municipal government, but federal and uh, provincial and municipal, because they all have a part to play. The banks, the construction um, um, companies, and all that. So everybody has a part to play. So once we are able to um, leverage, you know, um, uh, uh, whatever part we need to play, then we can, you know, um, be in sync, and then we can uh, mm-hmm. take it from there. But, I mean, again, I mean, when you have more players, it makes it difficult, doesn't it, to sort yeah. of fine tune a, a policy that can satisfy everyone? Because that's usually it comes out. Everyone has to be satisfied. Exactly. Currently, exactly. they probably are being satisfied, but the the end product isn't, which it's is the not. people. Yes. <laughs> so. hence, hence the problem that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Right. Yes. So. You know, you, you were talking before a little bit about, you know, you, you're an immigrant and sometimes new immigrants, it's difficult to find housing. But there's also a lot of people who have been living in Canada for a long time and, and still, for various reasons, can't afford housing. And I always worry about some of the younger generation, yes. you know, making them realise 
there's ways to get out of the situation they may be currently in. And I'm sure their parents are doing the best they can to support their kids. But why is there a need to get our younger generation that are coming through to understand the housing industry? Because um, otherwise they'll never get out of it if they exactly. don't. Exactly. They'll never be able to change. Exactly. Because what we are dealing with now is we find the younger generation moving away from where they school or where they go to work just so that they will be able to afford at least rent, which is not helpful. I mean, if this trend continues, it might not be good, you know, for the mm. economy. So the older generation have a role to play in this. We have to continue to encourage the younger ones, give them all they need to, to know uh, in terms of education, in terms of, you know, creating awareness and then helping them, you know, in any little way that we can. Mm-hmm. And that is what we as parents can do or what we in the community can do. And then the government will also be able to play their part, you know, coming up again with the policies that would help them not to move away, you know, from it. Because whether we like it or not, Canada, um, um, the housing industry forms a big part of what thrives, I mean, makes the economy to thrive. It's not the only one, but then it plays a major role in it. And so if we do not encourage the younger generation to be able to afford even rent, it will be very difficult for us in the next 10, 15, 20 years because age faces us out of the system. And so within the next 10, 15 years, what are we going to, what are we looking at? Um, Mm. Someone might be, I, I have a 24 year old. I mean, if she's not encouraged to get into it now, she might not be able to, you know, get anything within the next 10, 15 years. And that is right. what, that might not help to, you know, boom the industry. And so this is what we, we, we have to do. Everybody should get involved. I mean, uh, the community has a part to play. All three levels of government have, uh, you know, uh, a part to play as well. You may not be able to answer this, but, you know, when I was growing up, the ultimate dream was to own your own home, right? Yeah. But things have been changing over the years. Some people are quite happy to rent for their whole lives and things. But recently, of course, with COVID, you know, we were very lucky here in Canada where interest rates were really, really low. They're starting to creep up. Nothing like it was 20, 30 years ago when, you know, 16 up to 20%. Mm-hmm. But they are starting to creep. Are we being unrealistic to think that we can still have that dream of owning our own place? We, we have to be um, optimistic, honestly. I mean, because it can be bad, but it will get better. I mean, we, we're dealing with this. This is post-COVID. And so COVID didn't help at all. I, I remember that I, I migrated to Canada in 2005 and I bought my first home in 2007. And the, exchange, uh, the, sorry, the um, um, interest rate at the time was like 6.7%. Oh, okay. I'm paying less now. Okay, so it's, right. it's, even though it's a problem, the interest rate is, is not as bad as it was a couple of years ago. And he, um, um, historical data makes us to understand that even in the 80s, it was worse than what we are dealing with now. It was yes. like 20% and above. And so we were able to come out of it. How were we able to come out of it? So looking at what was done, and what can be done now, looking at the prevailing issues, it can also help us to get better. It's, it's, it's not the end of the road. I mean, some of us were born in countries where we were able to come up with something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so 
what we are dealing with is not too bad. There is room for improvement. There is hope. And so once we, we, we do what we are supposed to be doing, we can get somewhere with, you know, um, with good policies. And I and I I keep forgetting. I need to come back to the word, you know, the policy part of it because that has had a huge play role to play yes. in the types of housing someone ends up in. And so, what are some of the current policies that leverage the housing industry, and do they go far enough to help the crisis? Because I mean, I can just see what's happening here in Kingston, and maybe I'm being unfair. Mm-hmm. You see all these new constructions going up, all these little high rises, which means we can supposedly have more people closer to downtown, mm-hmm. but they're not affordable. Exactly. And the, and where they're being built is around uh, the university. Exactly. So assuming that they were being built for the student population, mm-hmm. well, not all students, unless they've got assistance from their parents, right. can afford that kind of rent. So they're either having to pay more than they can afford mm-hmm. or, as you mentioned before, being pushed further out right. of the city, which means then they've got longer commute times to get to school and you know other things come just so they can af- af- afford the rent. Mm-hmm. So coming back to my question, with the current policies, are they actually doing what they need to do to make sure if we if we got growth in the city if we want growth in the city can we still have that growth still have construction companies etc and banks making the money from new buildings but not to the the detriment of the end user yes i know <laughs> looking at the different uh, policies that were put out by the various political uh, leaders i don't want to go into politics because it's completely different from what is happening here. But you can't talk about policies without, you know, talking about yes. policies a bit. So um, my the reason why I'm focusing on the problems is that once I come up with a lot of the problems, then I'll be able to better address, I mean, compare it with what all these leaders are talking about, if it will help. If right. it's not going to help, then we have to come back. You know, I have to come up with my own policy that would help. And, you know, it, it might be a dent in, in the in the big picture, but then it will go a long way to, to help. What they have put out there is, is good, not to, to go into details what each political party has put out there. But then if there is a problem, then it's not working. You yes. Understand? Yes. It's not working, and so that is why we need to look. I mean, come up with our own problems outside of the problems. Because um, what I always say is that um, some of them don't go to the grassroots enough to know what the issues, the real issues are. Right. Right. So um, sorry to say that because of votes, they can just come up with something that they would suggest to us that they will be working on. But at the end of the day, will not even, you know, scratch the surface of it. And so once you go to the grassroots and know what the problems Canadians are facing or immigrants are facing in the country, then you'll be able to better serve them. And so fine, they've come up with all these policies that seem to be running, but then if there are problems, then it means there's, there's a problem with that, you know, um, um, policies as well. So coming Continuing on with policies, you can have a policy at the federal level, you can have a policy at the provincial level, then you have a policy at the municipality, municipal level. Yes. Which one 
are you looking at the three? So for something that's on a similar scale, are you looking at the three and saying, are they actually all in sync? Because there's no yes. point in the federal saying we need to do this yes. when the next two levels are doing something completely opposite. Because who who takes precedent? Yes. At the end of the day, we need to take care of Canadians because we are the tax pay, you know, tax paying population. Each level of government has their part to play. For instance, when you look at the federal level, they are there for the regulation of the mortgage lending industry. You know, that's what they do. The provincial go with the constitutional jurisdiction for property and civil rights. I mean, they do all that. Local government, they rely on taxes and then they, you know, the land use, planning, zoning and all that. And so, and all these are needed, you know, for the housing industry to thrive. And so it is very important for each level to play their part so that we'll be able to sink and then just, you know, deliver on our promise. That's mm. basically what I would, I would say for this. Is there any sort of policy that says in a particular region, we need to have housing at this level, affordable level? I mean, people still have to make money, constructions and comp- banks, you name it, even the the local governments need to bring in a certain amount of money and through taxes and things. But we know there's always going to be a population within an area that may not have the same sorts of finances. Mm-hmm. So is there a policy anywhere saying there has to be a certain percentage of housing available at this level? I believe I, I, I believe so. Not to I haven't looked at it in detail, but then uh, most of these uh, uh, political leaders are talking about having uh, houses close to uh, subways. And that is one thing that at least two or three of them are talking about, which is helpful. But then, I mean, they should also be able to uh, be able to afford houses around that area. Because mm-hmm. once you put it close to a subway, there are different malls and other things. And then it would it might affect the price of the, right. the, the house as well and yeah, so that is convenience exactly been. exactly mm-hmm. even though it's convenient thank you for that word even though it's convenient it might not be affordable in the long run you're trying to help them because you know it's close to us but for those who don't have cars to drive they can just hop on a train and then go to work however once it's built close to that it also you know attracts a lot of investors around that area putting the prices of the houses up there. So again, it might be helpful on paper, but then grassroots level, it might not be. It might not be. And so it's one of the things that I want to look into um, um, more so that I can, you know, come up with why is this happening? Why Mm -hmm. is this happening? And what can we do to help um, alleviate it? And I think another area I keep, coming back to it in my mind is that you know we can have what I call council housing so government-run housing which usually reduce pricing yes so we can have that but sometimes that also comes with a bit of a stigma for the person who is in it of because people go hey that's a govy house yes Um, and so it's it's finding a policy that you know absolutely we may need some government assistant housing yes. Yes. but making them in a way that they don't look ugly which exactly. i know is you know exactly. aesthetically it's got to still look pleasing and exactly. a nice place to live exactly both for the 
for anyone that's walking past saying, oh, that's really nice. I wouldn't mind living in that kind of apartment. That looks really cool. But also for the individual. So these policies have to help not just get people in houses, but make them feel great within those houses. Exactly. Even with those houses, there's something they call the market rate. And so I have friends who live in those, uh, some of those homes. And what is happening is some of them are paying high and their next door neighbors could be paying next to nothing. Yes. And this is based on how much they they are making. And so the income aspect is also taken into consideration. And so it's not labeled as this is the low you know, level right. people can leave. Your next door neighbor could be paying like fifteen hundred, and you could be paying five hundred dollars. And so, okay, in Ontario, in in the Peel region, this is what is happening. And so, it's there's kind of like a leverage there. And so, um, without you talking to your next door neighbor, you might not even know how much your ne- next door neighbor is, mm-hmm. is is paying. And recently, I've seen that government is investing in the building actually you know making it look better than it did a couple of years ago because as i mentioned before when i came and i was looking for a place to live that was my go-to place because i thought it was affordable enough for me to go into it but unfortunately my income was good i mean in terms right. of that and so they were like they, i was put on a wait list for a very long time and that got me discouraged and i you know moved out to look for a, you know mm-hmm. a place to, to stay so if you if you make more money, you will be paying more, and so it doesn't look bad as it did, you know, mm-hmm. as ago. It it is it is very very good, and so a lot of people are getting it. But I think that brings up a a good idea there that the the government is clearly various governments are clearly doing is that you know particularly on the rental market, exactly being paying a rent that f- fits your income. Yes. Yes. As opposed to like more commercial rentals, it's this price or nothing kind of thing. To get more people living or having a roof over their head, to get more people feeling safe um, in their surroundings. I think maybe that's part of a policy that whether whether it's government ones or they work, the government works with other commercial companies and saying, you need to have so many where the the rental can be flexible. The rent can be flexible. Exactly. So I mean, gosh, there's a a lot of there's a lot of challenges. <laughs> and of course, you're only going to be bringing you have time to bring up some of the issues. But you know, once the issues are there, and, and some of them we probably know, but there's probably a lot more you're going to find that we're not exactly. aware of. Exactly. Uh, then it's the next part of you know how do we change those policies yes. to alleviate the issues exactly. that um, many Canadians are facing today. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know I need what? Once, you, once you start, this it's going to be it's going to snowball. You're not going to know how to finish because I know. it's a, it's a big issue, and I'm I sure know. there's lots of things there that need fixing. Yes, definitely there is. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you, Beatrice, coming on the show to just highlight again because it's very easy to forget things that are that are going on around us when it doesn't affect us personally so you know we do all have to be reminded that we're not all fortunate enough to have a good roof over our head as you say mm-hmm. so thank you for for sharing that with us and the kind of the work that you're trying to do even in a small way the kind of work that you're trying to do mm-hmm. to keep it up there yeah. in people's minds and hopefully to make change so thank you Thank you very much. I thank you for this uh, uh, opportunity and um, very, very grateful.
Thank you so, so much. Good to have you on board. Lovely. <laughs> so that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.